Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing at Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And this is the latest edition of our Little Brown School podcast. I'm super excited uh, to be in a small, warm, cozy, enclosed space with this month's guest, Cami Garcia. You know her from the Beautiful Creatures tetralogy and the Dangerous Creatures books. She's also written a frankly terrifying psychologically, uh, and and physically. Uh, new duology series, we'll find out later from her, the Legion series. The first book is Unbreakable, and the second book, Unmarked, is on shelves this October. Welcome, Cammie. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Cammie, I, I love this series, but I get a little uh, fangirlish and incoherent talking about it. So will you do us the honors of speaking a little bit about this book? I will. Um, Unbreakable is a story of Kennedy Waters, who is a regular girl. She doesn't believe in anything paranormal. She lives in Georgetown with her mom until her mother dies mysteriously. And she is attacked by a supernatural entity, um, a ghost. And she's rescued by two very hot identical twins who tell her the truth about her past. And we find out that her mother was a member of a secret society tasked with protecting the world from a very dangerous demon. And now Kennedy has to take her place in the Legion, something for which she is completely unprepared. So you basically have a girl who doesn't believe in the supernatural, doesn't believe in ghosts, hangs out with her friends after school, and now she's supposed to be battling paranormal entities with four kids who have been trained their entire lives for this mission. There's a there's a fish out of water. There's a new girl in school story for you. Absolutely. And a lot of the story is about that because she has to learn to trust these people. And each one of them, none of the kids have supernatural powers, but they all have kind of a talent, a skill that has been honed. One of them, uh, priest, he makes, you know, he can make a weapon out of a soda can, a calculator. One of them um, grew up with her grandmother, who is a voodoo practitioner. She knows how to do protective wards. So Kennedy is expected to have some sort of specialty. And one of my favorite lines is she says, you know, unless... um, you know, cooking is going to scare off any ghosts, I don't know that I have a lot to offer. And so she has to come into her own and find out what is her specialty, but also how can she contribute and trust these people that she doesn't know with her life? I've heard a lot over the last two years that contemporary fiction is the place to to be these days for a YA author. Um, You know, I think under the influence of a certain lawn-colored writer that you and I both know. Uh, but you refuse to run with the herd. You are defiant in your embrace of of these types of stories. Why, Cammy? why must you be such a rebel and refuse to write a vanilla story about some chick? Why does it have to be spicy Mexican chocolate story? Um, well, I do like spicy Mexican chocolate, but... Um, listen, I love contemporary stories, and I think they're fantastic. The Outsiders is probably one of my favorite books of all time. But, I, you know, I didn't write Beautiful Creatures to be published. I wrote a story for seven teenagers while I was a teacher. It was the kind of story I wanted to read. I grew up on Southern Gothic. I love fantasy. I love paranormal. 
And I also think that um, supernatural fantasy science fiction stories, they offer a safe way to look at very frightening situations. You know, in my story, she's, you know, she's alone. She has no family. She's battling, you know, the fear of the unknown, trying to figure out if she can trust herself. Like, those are things that happen to teens, to adults in the real world. It has nothing to do with contemporary fiction or anything else. And I remember when Beautiful Creatures came out, Paranormal was the place to be because of Twilight. There's always an amazing book that comes out that determines what the trend is. And for me, I just know how to tell whatever that story is that's eating away at me inside. And that's the story I have to tell. You know, I feel like a good book is a good book. Genre doesn't matter. And the last thing that I want to do is try to chase a trend instead of talk about and write about something that I'm the most passionate about. I love how you, you're you talking about this because... It's the supernatural elements are just window dressing in a way, and they allow readers cover to encounter very difficult topics or themes or principles and work through them without directly confronting them in their everyday garb that may be too painful for them in their real lives. Um, I think your work is so thematically rich in these themes, and uh, there's power, loyalty, honesty, uh, Not so much romance, although Beautiful Creatures is a deeply romantic book. To me, it was so much more than Are They Gonna Kiss? Uh, I think your work really embraces those, those powerful motivations that teens are really encountering in a more mature way for the first time. And one of these themes is forgiveness, which is not a small topic. Um, In both the Legion series and in the Beautiful Creatures books, this is clearly a big deal. How have you approached it? I think that a lot of times as writers, the things that we struggle with ourselves come out in our work, whether we want them to or not. Uh, I am, you know, a very loyal person, uh, but I, you know, I don't have a traditional family. My parents divorced when I was very young and remarried. I have many brothers and sisters, have steps, you know, but we're all a family. I have close friends of our family who, you know, I called aunt and uncle. And I think that loyalty, forgiveness, these are all things, even with friendships, that we encounter all the time. And one of the reasons why I think, you know, young adult fiction is so popular with adults is because we don't ever grow out of dealing with these things. Forgiveness is not something, unless you're Mother Teresa, that you master. And I'm sure she would have said she had not mastered it. She was very humble in her writing. And For me, I think it's really difficult. I remember being a teenager and being, you know, betrayed or hurt or being let down by my friends or people that were really important to me. And I had trouble understanding, you know, this was this was not intentional. This was like a flaw. These, you know, these people I love, they're struggling. They aren't perfect either. And especially if you're dealing with an adult or a parental figure, you expect them to be perfect. You expect them to be able to do everything right and not let you down. And when part of growing up is understanding that they, too, are fallible. And there are those moments where, you know, you get older and suddenly your mom says, you know, I really wish I had done that differently. And it's it's kind of like a stunning moment where you're like, really? You know, and... For all of my characters, they have 
friends that are let, have let them down. You know, sometimes, you know, Lena, it was her mother in the Legion series. It's Kennedy's father. And there comes a point where they have to decide, not necessarily am I going to forget, but am I going to either forgive this person and give them a chance or am I going to forgive this person for myself and move on? Because this is something that I'm carrying that is too heavy and I want to let go and move forward. And I think sometimes that's even more difficult. I love how you're talking about that because one of the things that signature of the teen experience, whether that, you know, in real life and in fiction, is that adolescence seems such a black and white, extreme, even, dare I say, apocalyptic experience. And everything is so much, carries so much investment. It's it's either absolutely right or absolutely wrong. And that's not real life, is it? And learning to forgive is that critical skill to growing up, especially forgiving oneself and accepting mistakes. You know, Kennedy makes a lot of mistakes at the beginning of this. In fact, one could venture to say that Kennedy has a very steep learning curve. And the stakes are very high in the Legion series because of, you know, the power of the mistake to completely mess up the entire universe. Um, Can you talk a little bit about forgiving the self? Yeah, I think um, in both Beautiful Creatures, you know, Dangerous Creatures and the Legion series, everything I write, even short stories, part part of what I have always struggled with, especially as a teenager, but still today, you know, is the idea of uh, embracing the person that you are, accepting who you are, you know, whether it's, you know, you wear fabulous gold shoes or, you know, you don't, you read the required book because you love it, you have different ideas than other people. It's the idea that it's okay to be different and be who you are, which I think, you know, I, I struggle all the time. I need to fit in with the moms at school, but I also you know, I'm kind of quirky and like a writer and I'm in my pajamas all day and I have a strange office filled with like Buffy memorabilia, which is not very typical of all the moms at school. So I find myself, you know, sometimes trying to be a little bit more like someone than maybe like myself. And that's that's something that I think also attracts adults to young adult fiction is we never really... We never get over struggling to be ourselves, trust ourselves, and accept ourselves. And one of the things that Kennedy deals with, I actually think there's a lot of romance in the books, but I think it's not the forefront of the books because the romantic relationships are part of, you know, built into the friendships. Because sometimes I think in books, romance takes the forefront when it's not a romance book. And then there's no room for friendships, you know, or the other types of love that are important as you're growing up. And one of those types of love is loving yourself, believing in yourself. And she does not trust herself. She doesn't think she's talented. She doesn't think she has anything to offer this group. She doesn't think she has a special skill. She's a gifted artist. She does not see it that way. She thinks she's an average artist, that her mom is just, you know, saying that to make her feel good. And over the course of the story, as she has to you know, intercede and save her friends, risk her life for people, she starts to see herself differently. And that's really important because at any age, until we learn to trust ourselves and believe in ourselves, it's very hard to, you know, hand that trust over to someone else. You can't trust another person if you don't even trust your own judgment. That, that's, a really, that's a really powerful 
skill that we do have to get. And, and we're constantly, as you said, struggling with that. I'm going to throw in a random question here and surprise you, although I do love that you like my shoes today. Um, one of the things that first captivated me about your work is your ability to create a very vivid sense of place in your work. Um, oddly, and this is about me, I completely understand. Sorry, everyone. Uh, but when I first read Beautiful Creatures, I could kind of smell the lemon and thyme. And here, actually, <laughs> again, a little bit too much about me. When I was reading this, I could smell the salt and the circles. And, and But you have just a really great way with evoking the setting and locating the characters within the setting. How, how, what is this special gift you have and where did this come from? Because not everybody has this. Well, I'm flattered. I never, I, like Kennedy, never see myself as being particularly gifted. Um, I was a fine arts major before I was a teacher for 17 years. And one of the things that I do when I write is I have a giant wall in my office and it's covered with photos, quotes, song lyrics. Um, there are a few like charms from when I went to New Orleans that represent, you know, Alara, one of the characters in the book. And they're all taped and glued onto this giant wall. It's my inspiration wall. And I actually, I have photos of some of the real places that are in the book because they're available. But for example, Lilburn Mansion, which is a, a haunted mansion in uh, Ellicott City, Maryland, it's a, it's been a residence forever. You can't go inside of it. You can't tour it. So I had an idea of what it looked like in my mind. And I put up all these, you know, these, I have one photo of it's like threadbare red carpet that's very kind of creepy and old and the lights going down the hallway with like the old oil paintings that are in like your grandmother's house that you wish she would put in the basement. And while I'm writing, I never listen to music. I like to do that before, but I wear these big headphones and I the story plays out in my mind like a movie. So what's happening is I am kind of watching the scene. So I'm watching Kennedy go into the room or I'm watching Lena go up to the, you know, the steps of Ravenwood into her bedroom. And I have to see the place to be able to write about it. So what I see in my mind's eye sometimes is inspired by that wall, by another place I've seen in real life. But while I'm writing, I have to imagine that place and imagine being in that place. And I try to think about... Like you were saying, you know, I have memories. My grandmother's house always reminded me of after eight mints, you know, and biscuits because my great grandmother would make biscuits. So I would smell biscuits cooking. And then I spent a lot of time trying to, you know, sneak after eight mints. So I have, you know, sights, smells, you know, certain books, things that remind me of a place. And I think everybody does. We just don't necessarily think of it that way. So I always try to imagine when you go into a place, like what are the one or two things that encapsulate the entire feeling of that room or that environment. You do it really, really well, taking that imaginary world and and those real-world inspirations and putting them into that story and then communicating that out to your readers. I know that you are famous uh, for being in touch with your readers through uh, different forms of social media and other places. And you've created, actually, a special place in the real world for YA enthusiasts to be excited about YA lit. It's called, well, honestly, is it Y'all Fest 
or YA Fest or <laughs> Y'all Fest because it is in uh, South Carolina, where of course we say y'all, and but it has obviously YA in it, so it's YA Y'all Fest. Yes, genius, genius. Um, but my question is: through all these different venues, has your has this intense interaction with your readers affected how you write? Definitely. When Margie and I, and she, co- you know, we, we co-founded Y'all Fest together, when we wrote Beautiful Creatures, we wrote it on a dare. We wrote it for seven teenagers, and they were all my students or previous students. So from the time I first started writing, I have always been writing for this audience in my mind, whether it's those seven teens. And, you know, once we started going on tour and meeting you know, kids would send us pictures of their own versions of Lena's Locket. We would meet people at events. Those people became, you know, part of the group I was writing for. I always say it's easier to write if you know who you're writing for or you think about who you're writing for, even if it's one person, your best friend, your son, you know, a, a reader that you meet. So for me, it, the group has expanded from the seven people to all these other, you know, adults, teens, you know, men who are Civil War reenactors who come to the events, they have become my readers. But I I miss teaching a lot. I miss, I love going to speak, you know, to teachers and librarians and hang out with kids at events. And going online and talking to my readers is a way to stay connected. And I don't really talk to them. I answer questions about my books, but it's interesting because I'm really big on Pinterest too. And it's funny because they'll want to talk to me about strange things like, you know, what's the symbol on your Pinterest board? Or I can't believe you really like Buffy so much. So do I. Some of them have written to me. I, I um, you know, I have very bad knees. I have a knee condition and I've had readers write and say, I heard you have, you know, bad knees and I have a rheumatological issue. And, you know, I, I'm in a lot of pain and your books make me feel so much better. And, you know, sometimes they'll say, can you just you know, wish me a good day. Today's a really rough day. And I think for someone who spends most of their time inside in their pajamas, it's a really fun way to connect with other people. And a lot of authors in the YA community do that. And I'm proud of that. And it's fun to be part of that. Uh, what's next for you? Well, um, the Legion series is, there's, a, I actually have a another book, a third book planned in my mind. But uh, currently, I am finishing the first pass pages on the second Dangerous Creatures book. So that will be coming out in May, and that is done. And I also am working on two top-secret uh, ideas that I am hoping are going to bloom into, you know, book proposals and book ideas. So I'm playing with those. It takes me a long time when I first come up with an idea to go from the initial concept and maybe that one character I have to growing it into something that becomes completely real in my mind. So for a while, there's a lot of, you know, sample chapters and, you know, inspiration walls and messing around until everything comes together. Has that click moment. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, Cami, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, it was a joy to have you. Uh, the Legion series books Unbreakable and Unmarked are on shelves now, and you all should run out to a bookstore or library near you to pick them up and have a scary good read. This has been Victoria Stapleton, Director of School and Library Marketing, along with Cami Garcia. Thanks so much for having me. And we enjoyed our time together. We'll see you guys next time.
Bye. 